So, redeeming time, living a balanced life. You guys are going to be really thrilled today. And uh, we may need to make one promise that we're all going to be friends after this. Agreed? Okay. So, one of the things that I've been doing, um, actually a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching on the, the, the disciplines of life, uh, dis- disciplines of spirituality, one of the things that I've been doing is I've been seeking the Lord and saying, God, what's maybe not my greatest issue, because I know i got a lot of them, but what's getting in the way between us? Have you ever asked God that? God, what's, what's getting in the way between you and me? What's, what's between us, Father? Right? I mean, if you, if you, if you want to have a very healthy marriage, and, you, and maybe you're not on the, the best of terms, you might say, hey, honey, what's, what's, what's in between us right now? There's something in between us. There's something in the way. What is it? I need to identify, and so I began to, to pray, and so here's, so as I did that, God showed me uh, that one of my problems is, is time management. One of the things that I hear myself saying, I'm just so busy and tired. Thanks, honey. Um, things are crazy right now. I hear myself saying that. My kids got me running everywhere. Uh, I've said that a time or two. And then I even justified it, right? Because we get busy, right? We get busy, and then I justify it, and I say, oh, it's just a season, right? How many of you have used that one? It's just a season. But get this, a season ends. What happens when your busyness doesn't come to an end? What happens when I say, man, this is just a season right now? I remember times in our marriage when we'd get really busy in the church, and I'd say, honey, it's just a season. This week's going to be really busy, but next week's going to be better. And then guess what I said at the beginning of the next week? Honey, this is one of those busy weeks, but next week's going to get... Guess what? That's not a season. It's no longer a season. It's an issue. Seasons change. When we tell ourselves that it's only a season, then I end up lying to myself because there's not a change that's coming with the season that I say that I'm in. I actually had a different sermon prepared for this week. I had two weeks to write it, had plenty of time, worked on it really long, and I really thought it was great. Thursday morning, I finished it. I'm like, what do I do now with my time? Well, I'm just going to keep reading the word. And then I started saying, God, is there anything between us? And he said, yeah, might other fact, I'm glad that you brought that up. So I want you to understand that I started writing this Friday morning. And I thought it was for me and me alone. And then when I got done writing it this morning, God said, you're going to share it. I knew yesterday afternoon when it was all coming together, I knew that I was supposed to share this because I'm not the only one with this problem. So understand that the original recipient for this sermon is me. So, because I know like, sometimes like, man, have you been getting in my mail? Pastor, you're, you're stepping on my personal toes. I'm telling you, I was dancing on my own toes. Okay, so that's, this was for me, for me first. So, so that's why I'll, I want to share this with you. So I want to show you something about redeeming time. Okay. There is two passages that I have thought about. They both say very similar things. In Ephesians 5, it says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Colossians, a whole different book, says almost the same exact thing. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. One of the things, I, I knew that there was scriptures that talked about redeeming time, and I really wanted to, to, to hit on that. And here's what I, the first thing that I noticed, there's only two passages in the New Testament that use the word, the phrasing, redeeming time together. And they both speak of wisdom first. It's interesting to note that it will require wisdom in your life to redeem the time of your life. So, what is wisdom? Wisdom is made up of two parts. Knowledge is the first part. But I want you to understand that it's way more than knowledge. A lot of people know a lot of things. Have you ever met one of those know-it-alls that you start saying something and describing something and they already know everything about it, though they've never done it? 
right? Maybe, you're, maybe a couple of you are a know-it-all. Anyways, <clears throat> number two, it's the ability to utilize the knowledge. You may have all the knowledge in the world but not be able to utilize it. Wisdom is two parts, the knowledge and the ability to use it. You've got to be able to take that knowledge and make it work for you. Wisdom is not just having a knowledge. It, wisdom is saying that, hey, I need to know a lot more about time management. Wisdom says, not only do I know about time management, but I'm going to apply these things into my life. I'm going to utilize what I know about it. So today I'm going to teach you some very uh, basic principles of time management that should, if you utilize them, will make you wise. The counterpart is being a fool. I'm just saying. I didn't write it. Take that up with the Lord. So, to redeem is the idea of purchasing something or buying something back. That's what redemption means through the whole Bible. It's interesting that he's using a redemption, a gospel word, to deal with time. Well, guess what? We already know this. You can't get your time back, can you? I want to I make an argument that I think time is one of the most precious things that you possess in your life outside of God. God's always the top, most precious thing. But next to that, guess what? You can lose a lot of money and go make it back, right? You can lose your job. You can lose your home. You can lose a car. You can lose all kinds of things and go get it back at some point. You can never go back and get your time that you wasted. You can never get that back. Time is limited. James 4, 14 says, life is like a vapor. You're here for a little while and then you vanish. Time is short. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7, 29, exactly, it says time is short. You can lose time. Have you ever, I remember somebody like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I lost track of time, Right? Kids lose track of times, but now adults are just as bad as the kids. How many times have you found yourself lost track of time on how long you've been looking at your screen? Every one of us is guilty of that, most of us. Some other might be losing track of time somewhere else. And you can waste time. Have you ever heard one of your kids or maybe you say, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just wasting time or I'm just killing time. You're taking something that is one of the most precious things and wasting it. I started thinking about, as the Lord was convicting me, I'll keep reminding you that this is about me. I'm never going to get those hours wasted back. I'm never going to get that time where I just was like, man, I'm bored, I don't want to do anything, and I sat there and wasted hours of my life. I'm never going to get that back. I tell my kids all the time when they want to play with their phones or things. I remember when Malachi played a lot of video games, uh, and I was like, Malachi, one thing, you playing video games with your friends and having them over here to play video games, one, guess what? When you get older, there's, you're not going to have like a little friend get together when you're older and say, man, you remember that night we played video games, and remember I jumped off the one house and landed on the other one and rolled around? You know, you don't make memories with your friends in, a, in what happened in a video game. You don't. It's not worth remembering past the moment. What video games are designed for is to waste your time. And I'm not telling you to go get rid of them. I'm just saying is that if we don't understand what it is, then it can at some point control us. Okay? See, one thing's for sure. There's 24 hours in a day and seven days a week. There will never be 32 an hours a day, no matter how bad I want it. And there'll never be 10 days in a week, no matter how much I pray for it. 24 hours, 7 days a week. So if that's what we've been given, God has given us this time, and every one of us are still here right now, this is the time that God has given you. What you do with this time will either make you wise or foolish. By his own word as what we've seen. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about what a balanced life looks like. So, first, balance. Balance is everything in its right place doing the very thing it was designed to do. That's balance. 
everything in its right place, doing the very thing it was designed to do. Imbalance is when things are not in the right place or doing the right thing they were designed to do. So I want you to think about this. God created everything. When you look at Genesis chapter 1, mark that down, go read it later. Genesis chapter 1, everything that God, and it was good. He created the light, and there was light, and there was night on the first day, and it was good. Remember how every time God created something, he said it was good, right? But if it, whatever the good thing is, becomes more or less than what God intended, it becomes a bad thing. Have you ever had something, a good thing, become a bad thing in your life? See, that's something that really stuck out to me. Not everything that God was convicting of me, to me, was a bad thing. It was actually a good thing when it started. And then somewhere along the way, I gave more and more and more and more time because it demanded of me more and more and more time. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm giving all of my time to this thing that once was good, but now is not good in my life. So I want to show you what a balanced life looks like. I even got you a diagram. You're welcome. So our goal here today is to learn about what is a balanced life look like. Now, first and foremost, spirituality is the very top. Okay? Now, I want you to understand that what I'm showing you here is priorities. Not necessarily are you going to spend in, in, in a 24, let's just say we broke this down and three hours was in the middle, but then you know, we divided up or, uh, you know, spirituality seven hours a day, labor seven hours a day, and family. That doesn't work, does it? It's not going to work. So I'm not talking about how much time you spend in each category. I'm showing the priority of your life. If this is not the priority of your life, it's already out of balance. If God is not first, if God is not the most important thing in your life, your life's already out of balance. God is the top. He is the most important thing in our life. He is our creator, our maker, our sustainer, our provider, and our protector. God is number one. So when we deal with spirituality, we're not talking about what's happening in this room. This is not your spirituality. This is your worship. What I'm wanting you to understand about spirituality, it's your walk with Christ. It is you and Him. It's not anything else. It's you and God. See, that's the problem is we think, but hey, I'm going to go to church and that's my spirituality. No, this is the accumulation of all the spirituality from Monday through Saturday, all accumulating and resulting in an amazing moments of worshiping together. That's what this is. I had to write that down, Cheyenne. That was what I wrote down. I was sitting there going, oh, Lord, don't let me forget this. Because here's the thing is so many people say, well, I'm going to church Sunday. That's my, my spirituality. No, it's not. And if it is, your life is, again, out of balance. When I come here, it, it's that I've had a week of, of talking with the Lord and spending time with Him, and now I want to get with my faith family and do it with them. I want to get with my faith family and get my praise on. I want to get a little rowdy. I want to get excited. I want to, I want to hear more about what God wants to do in my life. Then there's family. That's number two. Now let me tell you, spirituality is broke like this. Spirituality includes personal worship. This is corporate worship, personal worship. It includes prayer, Bible study, setting aside a time for God, and disciplines. If you want to hear more about disciplines, go back a couple of weeks. I taught a whole sermon on it. Number two, the second factor of our life is family and relationships. I didn't have room on the slide to put both family and relationships. So family revolve also around friendships, neighbor, neighbors, um, faith family. But when we talk about family, we're dealing with relationships. Marriage, parenting, neighbors, church fellowship, all that. And then the last one. Everybody say last. Last is labor. It's not first. It's last. If you want to say that your job is more important than your wife, then you're a terrible husband. I'm just going to be honest with you. And you don't deserve her. If any of you women in the house say, hey, my career, my job is more important than my husband, you don't deserve him. 
If you say that my, my job and making money and doing all of this is more important than my kids, you don't deserve them either. When we get down to understanding is the most important thing in my life is my relationship and walk with God, then my family, my marriage, my kids, and my neighborhood and all the relationships around me, then my job. But when we get to this job part, I hope everybody that's staffed and ministers, this also is ministry. It's a career job, but it's also service. Deacons, your serving is not spirituality, it's labor for the Lord. As a pastor, right now, this is not my spirituality. This is my labor for the Lord. I'm laboring. Right now, what I'm doing here today is in that category, not the top one. What Cheyenne is doing here is in the labor category, not the spirituality category. Because she should be have done the spirituality all week long, and then this is bringing it all together here. That's how it should be. That's how it's supposed to be. And the one small area that kind of ties it all together is the rest. The rest, recuperation, revival. We talk about how churches need revival. They need to be revived. They need a reset button. Uh, there's all kinds of different words that start with R and that go with revive and resuscitate, which is not the one I was thinking about. Reset, rejuvenate, re regroup, redo it. Let's go. All right. So, but when we start talking about this, this rest is in the center where they all connect together. This is one of those areas that holds it all together. Why is rest so important? Because, I mean, some of you guys are going to get mad at me here in a little bit, or you're just going to tune me out, and your wife's going to be elbowing you the whole time. I hope that you don't tune out. Why is rest so important? And mo most of us don't know why. We don't really know why rest is so important. You know why it's important? Because it was important to God. Therefore, it's important to me. I want to show you in God's Word why it's so important Right off the bat, God created the world and it was good, right? The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 2 that He created the world and everything in it in six days and then He rested on the seventh day. If God wanted rest, needed rest, encouraged rest, modeled rest before sin had ever entered the world, then how much more after the fall does, does, does mankind and people need rest? If God deemed that we needed it before the fall of men in the garden, how much more do we need it now? So, in Genesis chapter 2, it says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all His work. Then God blessed the seventh day. I want you to catch that. He's, he's worked and He created all the things on the sixth day. Then God blessed the seventh day. It kind of looks like to me, that God blessed that seventh day even more than the other days. Maybe I might stir the pot with some of you theologians in the room, but I don't see him talking about how he gave an extra blessing to the other days. Do you? God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Hmm. And... Exodus chapter 20, this is after the fall, so this is now that sin is in the world. He gave a commandment. 
Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall work. Listen to this. This is not a suggestion. This isn't God saying, hey, guys, I know that you like to work a lot. Hey, families. You know, not, not that it's only for men either because there's a lot of women that have the same issue as men. Here's the thing is he's not saying, hey, I'm going to make a suggestion that's going to help you in your life. You know, don't overwork, you know. No, he's not making a suggestion. This is a Ten Commandment. This is one of the ten, guys. If it's one of the ten, I need you to understand that it's important to God. He's setting down a foundation of what you need even when you don't think you need it. And here God is saying, listen, you need to rest. You need to take a Sabbath day. And what he says is this. He says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. This is his day, not your day, not my day, not my second job's day. A lot of people do this. They justify their sin by going, okay, God, you know, I got another job. You know, like, hey, I'm going to do the, the church work Monday through, but then on Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to do my farm work because it's not my work. Guys, it's not the same thing. What he's saying is this. God is using the Sabbath much like tithing. In tithing, and God talking about our money and us giving back to the Lord, he says, you know, we're to give a tithe, a tenth. When you have a $10 bill, one of those dollars is to, to God. That's, have, you, have you ever realized how generous God is? 10%, when, when God could say, I'm God, you're giving me 90, and you figure out how to live on 10? Can you? I mean, isn't it amazing how generous God is? Not only does he save us from our sin, our own sin, he forgives us, he goes mercy upon us, he forgives us, our stupidity, all of the stupidity, right? God's doing all of these things in our life, and then he says, hey, you know, when you give, out of the $10, one of them is mine. Out of $100, 10 of it is mine. Out of $1,000, $100. When you start thinking about what God is asking and, and, and asking of us, this is very generous. In the same way, he says, I give you six days to work. The seventh day is mine. You see, that's what God's trying to get us to understand. It's not your day, it's his. You guys following me? This is his day. He says, I want you to remember this day and I want you to keep it holy because I made it holy. It's mine. You give that day to me. When we don't, everything starts getting out of whack, doesn't it? Is God being mean because he's saying that that day's his? He's doing more for you than you realize. He's doing more for your body than you even understand. So I want to show you guys how easy it is for us to, to get out of balance. And I'm picking on one area more than others. When one circle grows, all the others have to shrink. I wonder why. Because there's only 24 hours in a day. If you're going to put more time into one of the circles, then what's going to end up happening is the other ones have to shrink because you don't get 36-hour days. You don't get to go, go do this shift over here and say, I'm going to work this much, but I'm going to give all this extra time. You don't have the extra time. You used it. We get it? We following? When you take and put... More into one, you rob the others. Well, Daniel, why didn't you increase spirituality or family? I'll tell you why I increased the labor. I've never met a person who worships too much. I've never met a person who prays too much or reads their Bible too much. I've never met somebody who, who, uh, who spends too much time with their spouse unless they need to get a job and go get a job. I mean... You know, the only time I've ever heard complaining from a, from a, a, in a counseling situation where the, where the wife was like, man, uh, my husband spends too much time with me is when he doesn't have a job. Okay? All the rest of the time, that's usually the opposite. I want more time with my spouse. I want more time with my, my dad. I want more time with my mom. Children's biggest complaints with their parents is I want more time with them and I don't get it. Most pastors that I have, have, have spoken to that have gotten older and they've retired, um, 
I don't, I don't, I'm not prepared for a retirement plan, so I just figured I'd do this until I die. So, but most of them, when, they're, when their children have grown on and moved on, the one thing that I hear them say that they regret the most is that they didn't spend more time with their children and more time with their spouses. One day... For you younger families here one day, you're going to wake up and your, your kids are going to be out of the house. And it goes fast. One day you're going to wake up and realize that you worked it all away. You're going to realize that you spent so much time working that you missed all the most important things of life. always wondered, well, let me give you a, a scenario of how labor gets out of whack. <clears throat> I, I started thinking about, here's one scenario. Barbara and I, we're at a good place, but I'm going to use her as an example. Let's say that we're not in a good place. Let's say that Barbara and I are arguing, and she's just not fun to be around, okay? And what do I usually, what would I do when I don't really want to be around my wife? I will then typically go spend all my extra time working. Then I don't have to be there. I don't have. Have you ever, have any of you married couples ever had an argument that lasted more than like the five minutes and it actually went for a couple of days and maybe stretched out into maybe a week and you, you're, you're, you're maybe not be fighting every moment that you're around but you still haven't resolved it, it's still there? Anybody with me? Okay, so what? Okay, great. Okay, good. I was like, if I'm the only one, I'm sorry, this sermon's not for anybody but me. But anyways, so, so the thing is, is that typically when you are unresolved conflict, then what you end up doing is you pour yourself into something else. So now what I do is I, I can't get along with my wife, and I don't really want to be around her because we haven't resolved this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour myself into my ministry. I'm going to pour myself into my job. I'm going to pour myself into my career. I'm going to try to get ahead. And what you do is you rob your wife of her time, your husband of his time. You rob your family of what they are supposed to have. And all the while you're doing this in the name of avoidance. Because I can't deal with relationships, I'm going to pour myself into something that I can deal with. Come on. Mike's the only one that gets it in this house. <laughs> Is this not what we've all done? How many of you in this house have done that? All right, so this is for everybody, all right? Because here's the thing is that when we're not getting along relationally I, and my relationships are out of whack, then what I want to do is I don't want to deal with relationships, so I go work. But when my relationships are good, I want to spend every moment with my wife. I love spending time with my wife. I like, hey, honey, well, she went to town. I hate going to Walmart. Hate going to Walmart. She's going to Walmart. I'm like, I'll go with you. I don't know why. I don't want to go to Walmart. I was like, turn it around. How much added sugar is in this? I don't care how much added sugar is in that. Do you want it or not? Put it in there. <laughs> like added sugar? What is that? Now all the wives, the women are like, yeah, I know exactly what she's talking about. Does it sound good? Throw it in the cart. Let's go home. We can do this in like five minutes. Like, just like, take your hand and go like this and just let it all come in. All right, we're going. Let's go. We'll make, you know, figure out what we can make out of this. Whole bunch of cans. I don't know. Okay, so, but anyways, but the thing is I wanted to be with her. So I went to Walmart where I don't want to go and watched her read the back label because I wanted to be with my wife. Because we're in a great place. I could have stayed home and worked on the sermon that I was not done with. But because of the conviction of the sermon that I was writing, I was like, well, I better not. I better. This is going to be a good sermon illustration if I go to Walmart. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, so 
Let me give you another, uh, another illustration how our labor gets out of whack. A lot of times we say, this is going to be a season. I'm going to get ahead. Right? Any of you ever used your, like, hey, honey, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to get ahead this week. How many have said that? I'm going to get ahead. I'm going to go work hard so I can get ahead. How many of you got ahead? <laughs> what I thought. One. Okay. <laughs> Liar. I'm going to talk. I'm going to deal with you next week. So, now, how many of you worked harder because you were behind? I'm going to catch up. How many of you guys are working hard because you got to catch up? How many of you are catching up? You see, this is what I found out. I, I remember my dad calling me. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, Dad, I am working all the time. Like, this farming stuff is dumb. I'm like, who thought this up? I'm like, the fences never work. And the sheep are always out. And they're always hungry. It's like I traded six kids and I still have them and I got 50 more. What's going on? And I'm like, Dad, I can't catch up. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, son. I should have told you before you decided to get a farm. You're never going to be caught up. Who lives like this? See, here was what my dad, my dad gave me this great piece of advice. He goes, Daniel, don't live your life trying to catch up. You're never going to be caught up. You're, there's always going to be something on that farm that you're going to need to do. You're always going to have something left to do. Don't try to catch up. Just get the most pressing thing done. Feed the sheep. Got it. Water and feed. And if you see them on the side of the road, honk real loud. They'll come back. I'm just saying, okay? What I had to learn is that if I lived my life trying to catch up, I never caught up and I only felt bad all the time. I felt like I was terrible at it. I'm like, I still feel like a terrible farmer, but the sheep aren't complaining. <laughs> they get fed and watered, and sometimes they get to eat my neighbor's grass. I mean, you know, so like, you know. All right, so, and some of us work hard because that's all we've ever known. We were brought up in it, Right? Like my dad, that's, if I was going to spend time with my dad, I was going to do whatever he's doing. If he's cleaning stalls, I was cleaning stalls. If he was working on fence, I was going to have to work. If I wanted to spend time with my dad, that's what I was going to have to do. I'm trying to tell you guys, that's not how it should be. I love my dad, and I hope he's listening. Hi, dad. Um, this isn't a condemnation. That's all he ever knew. What I'm trying to say is that we need to break the cycle that doesn't work. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. What I'm saying is, guys, let's, let's, let's put our families before our jobs. Let's put God before all else. And I, think, I guarantee everything is going to uh, start working itself out. All right. So let's talk about where imbalance comes from. This is the next phase of, this is where the little toe that goes to the market's going to get stepped on. Imbalance comes as a form of idolatry. I've been, God's been teaching me a lot about idolatry. We don't think that we have idols, and yet every one of us is dealing with idols all the time. Because when we think of idols, we think about the idols that the Old Testament dealt with. Wooden idols, um, wooden images shaped in the, in the form of animals or different things that the people worshipped but we don't realize that every one of us has one in our purse or in our back pocket. We have a lot of idols that we carry around, and there's a lot of jobs that have become idols, and I'm going to show you how that works, but idolatry is often a good thing turned bad. Your job, I'm going to show you that your job can become your idol. And you may sit here and go, I don't love my job. doesn't matter if you feel like you love it or not. What are you giving to it? If you're giving more than what you're supposed to be giving, then it's bad. When, when, and I'm, it, it, right there. When the things demand more time, energy, or money than balance requires, that's idolatry. If your job is demanding more of your time than what it's supposed to be given, it's become your idol. If your phone is receiving more time, more money, because you have to have the next best one, Right? When you have something that you have to have the best of, you have to spend more money, more time. When you have that thing and it's demanding more of you than it's supposed to have, it's an idol. So how many of you would be honest enough to say that you probably have an idol in your house that you need to deal with today? See, that's when we know we're making a difference is when we can identify in our life something we need to change. That's when we've had church. 
All idolatry comes from an imbalanced heart. All idolatry. I remember so many times when people get upset because you start talking about idols and, and we start realizing that we have things in our hands or things in our lives or things in our homes that are idols and we don't want to get rid of them. We don't want to deal with it. Did you know that the Bible talks about that the stomach is most people's gods, our stomach? So I did a, a lesson a couple of uh, weeks ago about fasting. And then my wife was gone, so I was like, well, let's, we'll do that when you get back. And then she said, hey, honey, um, she, she has these little episodes. We went to the doctor. We had an MRI. We had a CAT scan, all these kind of things. We thought she was having seizures or mini strokes or something, but she would just like, she was just gone for a little bit and then come back and then she wouldn't remember things. And so they couldn't find anything. And then she's like, well, I do have a, you know, gluten allergy. And we started thinking, well, when Malachi got sick and we were on the, the, the diet with him, I don't ever remember her having episodes. And I was like, I wonder if it's a major food allergy that's causing you to have these, these seizure types of things. So she goes, she goes, let's try it. And so a good husband, I was like, I'll do it with you. <laughs> and she said, okay, we're going to do the cabbage soup cleanse. It's cleansing. It didn't feel cleansing. Hold on. You know, I mean, okay, a little inside. Okay, five days. That's all we're eating. Cabbage soup. <laughs> Yay. All the kids are like, can I have an ice cream sandwich? <laughs> okay. You know, like just eat it. So what happened is for five days, right? Day two. Because day one was just supper for me. I, like, I, I failed the first. I forgot that we were doing it. And she comes up and she's like, hey, ready for cabbage soup? I'm like, yes, I'm ready for it. <laughs> today. That was, that was today, right? So it was today. So then what happened is then all of a sudden the next day, you know, I was like, oh, this cabbage soup's really good, honey, because, I mean, like, she made it really good. It was really tasty. And I was like, this is good. And then all of a sudden, the next day, you know, I got up, and I'm like, breakfast. Go cabbage soup. That's for breakfast, right? Because that's all we get. And then lunchtime happens, and all of a sudden, dinner time. And my stomach is starting to eat itself at this time. It's like, ah! But all of a sudden, I'm like, you know what, Barbara, what's amazing is this. Like, I am fighting this. Like, I want to stop right now and I don't consider myself having like a weight issue or anything and I'm sitting here going my stomach is in so much control right now I did not realize because I don't you know I don't it feels like I don't have time to eat so I eat like one time really big uh, which is bad habits too but I started realizing that my stomach has more control over me than I realized and then God took me to his word and showed me and reminded me that our stomach is most often than not our God. In other words, it controls me. The moment I started changing the diet and saying no more bread for you, no more ice cream, no more this, you're drinking this and you're eating this, my stomach's like, no, I didn't sign up for this. I had to get control of myself. You guys realize how hard that is? If you haven't done that in a long time, getting control of yourself? See, that's idle. My stomach was demanding more of what it was supposed to have. And all of a sudden, you know what we realized right off the bat? And I was only eating cabbage soup. I mean, like, this is not even meat, and I'm a meat eater. I'm a, I'm a T-Rex, man. <laughs> what we realized all of a sudden, we're like, I feel great. I feel great. I woke up one morning, my feet weren't hurting, and I wanted to actually get out of bed. It was amazing. I was like, what is this thing? cabbage soup's working. No, what was working is that I got the crap out of my body. I got the processed junk out, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I was lighter. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. All right. I'm like, this guy's, is this the youth minister? No, I'm the, I'm the guy. Sorry. Doesn't get, I mean, it could get better than this. But anyways, so Guys, imbalance in our lives comes from idolatry. That's what I want us to understand. Okay, so let me get into breaking down idolatry. I'll get back on task. All right, so common forms of idolatry, workaholic hobbies and laziness. Just looking for all my hunters and fishermen in the room, making sure that they don't sneak out. I think we already had... Oh, there's one of our fishermen walking back in. Good, I just want to make sure Marcus was here for this. Okay, so 
All right, so now, I'm <laughs> just kidding, but seriously, listen. Um, so what happens in our idolatry, it kind of usually takes, these are just three common forms that I figure that most of us deal with. Workaholic, I want you to hear me. This is an addiction. Workaholic is by the word itself an addiction. When, you're, when your job or your work or the time that you're putting into your work is demanding more than what it's supposed to have, that's an addiction. That's an idol. You're robbing time from God. If you don't have time for devotion time because you're working too much, idol. If you are not having good quality time with your family because you're working too much, you might be a workaholic. And this is where you increase one area, the work of your life, and decrease everything else. It comes from a compulsive behavior. Listen to this. Compulsive behavior is when you have a strong urge to do something repeatedly without regard to consequences. And here's the thing is, is you may know all the consequences, but you're still doing it. You know you're not supposed to be working like this. You know you're not supposed to be doing this. But guess what? You do it anyways. That's an addict. You see, what we like to do is we like to put addiction on, on these other extreme areas. But guess what? Workaholic is an extreme area. When your family and your relationship with God suffers because of your job, it's out of balance. Are you guys still my friend? Okay, I'll see next week who shows up. <laughs> okay, seriously. All right, the next one I want to talk about is um, laziness. I'm going to go to the other side. This is shrinks one or more circles without increasing others. Idle hands will result with idols in the hands. I like that. Idle hands will result with idols in the hands. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times when we, when we, we can also then say, well, I, I, you know, man, he preached a really good sermon on work. I better not work. And then all of a sudden we now have too much time on our hands. Sometimes we don't work enough. We don't work hard enough. And all of a sudden we now have all this extra time. And what we're doing is squandering it. Getting lazy. So laziness is an issue too, especially in the culture that we live in. We all know that. Everybody says, I can't find a job, and yet everyone is hiring. Everyone. Well, here's the deal. It's hard to hold a job if you're lazy. Okay, so hobbies. This is hard, right? I'm a hunter. Love hunting. One of my biggest passions is to hunt. Hobbies is, is a form of, well, by definition, it's this, an activity done regularly for one's leisure time or pleasure. They we often use our hobbies to escape the pressure of work or maybe the busyness that comes with life. But when it becomes a problem, it's you're adding an extra circle where it doesn't belong. So not only do I have God I have my work, I have my family, but now I've thrown in hunting, thrown in fishing, or motorcycles. We have a, we have a motorcycle gang here. I don't know if you know that. It's, it's called Sons of Arthritis. <laughs> Come on now. Hey, if you're a part of the Sons of Arthritis, please stand up. <laughs> Come on, Skater, don't you be sitting down. Richard's in the back. All right. <laughs> All right. David Moore's not here today. So, but anyways, no, I'm, I'm kidding with you guys. But seriously, they, they, they were the one that told me the name. I thought it was hilarious. But, uh, but anyways, so, um, but is there anything wrong with, with, with a bunch of guys going out on a motorcycle ride? No. Is there anything wrong with hunting? Is there anything wrong with fishing? Right. So, the hobby's not the issue. It's when it gets out of balance, right? It's when it takes too much time. When it takes, now here's the thing is, one of the things that we've, Barbara and I, we like, we, we, we like to hunt, so I'll go hunting with my wife. Now I put family and a hobby together. Sometimes when I go hunting, the, some of the closest times I ever feel with God is when I'm completely alone and I shut my phone off in the middle of a tree, in the middle of the woods. But if I use that as my excuse, oh, I'm going to go spend time with God, and I do that all the time, then it gets out of balance. You see, there's balance. Balanced life is the key. Did you know that your, your phones are a hobby? See, a lot of people say, well, it's not a hobby. 
We, we say that we don't enjoy Facebook because I have all the people like, oh, I don't really like it. How many hours did you spend on that again? Because by all definition, that's a hobby of yours. If you're sitting on the toilet until your legs fall asleep, it's a hobby. <laughs> you're laughing because you've done it. If you sit there and got, lose track of time, <laughs> you're like, Pastor, how do you know? All right, I'm guilty, okay? If you sit on there and watch those little real videos and get caught up in that, it's a hobby. It's a, something that you do with some extra time, but if that hobby gets in the way of the quality time with your family, it's a problem. It's amazing how you can have an entire family sitting in a living room and everybody right next to each other, but everybody's a mile away because they're staring at their phones. That's not family time just because you're in the same room or in the same house. So, hey, look at this. We're on our last slide. Like, finally, it may be, it may be the toughest slide of all. Or it could be the one that gets us out of everything. So what I want to do is I want to share with you what I did here is last night I was thinking about 24 hours in a day. And I was thinking, do we have time to do everything? Do we have time, like, am I giving an assignment that no one can do? So I wrote down sleep. I started there because we're just going to start with that. And I put seven hours. You don't need eight hours, but you might need more than six. Some people say, well, I live on six hours really easy. I've, I've actually used to say that I had to be with eight hours, but I always felt more tired. So when I went to seven hours of sleep, I felt much better, more awake, more alert. But let's just use that as a time seven. You can, things, anyways. First thing that I put is there, spirituality. And I know that it seems the smallest because here's the reality is you're probably not going to spend eight hours in a closet praying. I put one hour, one hour to God. That's not even 10% of your time, but just one hour is what I allotted for spirituality for a time with the Lord. Now, a lot of people need to start off with 30 minutes or just with some minutes at all. We've got to start somewhere, but spirituality should come first. I want to give God my best. I want to give him my best of me, not my leftovers after a, a long day of work. I want to give him my best. I got to, I'm not a morning person. If I can do it, anybody can, I promise you. Barbara knows. Like when I, I'm like, by Barbara, a lot of times when she comes into the room, she'll have to get like a cup of coffee and like, like waft it towards me. I'm like, okay, I think I can do this. You know, um, I do not like getting up early. I do not like getting up early. And I'm, so I'm not an early bird. And I found out that I'm not a night owl. I don't know what I am, a nine to fiver. But I get up early anyways, because I want God to get the best of me. So I get up, that's first. God gets his. Then you work, typical, most people will work through the day, right? Get this. I, I looked up some, some uh, well, let me say this about spirituality before I go to work. Um, with the spiritual time, nothing is more important than your time with the Lord every day. Nothing is more important than that. Nothing, 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 nothing is more important than that. Statistics show that if you read your Bible only one two or three days a week, it will have little to no effect. But the moment you read your Bible four times a week or more, it changes everything because you're doing it more often than you're not. That's the key. So at least four days, right? So then also a statistic said that only 30% of Christians say they actually spend time praying and even less than 30% listen. Most of the time is we're pretty good about telling God what we want him to do, but we have a really bad habit of not listening what he wants from us. God wants time with you. Now, the work. I started going, well, how do we gauge work? So I went to World Health Organization and International Labor Organization. They both said the exact same thing, that you should not, no person should be working more than 55 hours a week, which I think 55 hours a week is a lot. You should not be working more than 55 hours a week. But get this, on a six-day schedule, listen to me, six days, because seven, remember the seventh day is God's, right? So I can't, can't, so I got six days to do the work. Divide that, it's 9.1 hours a day, six days a week, and you're still sitting. So any of you guys that are like trying to find out how you can work extra, you got nine hours a day, except for the one day. That I think is uh, excessive, 
but it fits within that, fits within the, the thing of what they say is healthy. I don't, I think it should be less, but at the most, I think that's the most. So then you get into family time. The average family spends 37 minutes a day of quality time with each other. 37 minutes. That's not even an hour. Think about this. We say we want to have a good relationship with our spouse. We want to have a good relationship with our kids, and we're spending less than 37 minutes a day? Then what are we doing with the rest of the hours that we were given? If you're sleeping seven hours and you're only working nine, what are you doing with the rest? What in the world are we doing? It actually says that quality time with family is so critical. The recommendations, now this is not a Christian, this was a, 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 a um, kind of a, it was actually, I got the article out of a, not, I don't read mom magazines, but it was a mom magazine that I found because it was talking about quality time and I figured that they would be a better source than a guy. And they, they talked about that in the world and the culture that we live with in right now, that 115 minutes to 150 minutes of day is enough. It's adequate. Okay, let's just, I'll round the 115 up to 120, that's two hours. Okay, let's just, let's just go with two. Actually, I think I put down three. Yep, I did. I put down three hours because I wanted to show you that you had enough time. I put down three hours of family time. Quality time is not on your phones. Now, quality time could say, hey guys, let's make some popcorn and sit down and watch a family movie. That can count as quality time because what, it, what does it mean is that you're all doing something together. It could be going out fishing. You could take one of your hobbies and mix it with family time. You guys that say, man, I like fishing, go take your whole family fishing. And now you've got not only quality family time and you got to do your hobby. Win-win. Right? My kids love to build fence with me. Just kidding. That is not considered quality time. They do not let me call that a quality time. We did this together, and they're like, never again. So, rest. You know what this leaves? What I found out is after we took 24 hours, we took seven off from sleeping, one hour for spiritual um, development, uh, nine hours for work, uh, three hours with family. That leaves four hours before you got to go to bed. Four hours. You had three hours with your family. You had one hour with God. Nine hours at work, seven sleeping. Four hours were still left over. So if we are not getting any kind of quality time with our family, we're doing something wrong. You guys following me on this? See, when I looked at this and I kind of put it, put it down, I'm like, we can do this. Guys, how many of you think we could do this? Is this doable? Do you really need to work more than 55 hours a week? Don't, doesn't your family deserve more than 37 minutes? Because what this tells me is that I'm absolutely wasting my time if my family's only getting 37 minutes of me. So, let me end with this. Three steps. Realize there is enough time. Realize this is possible in your life and in your home. It's possible, very possible, and it should happen. Number two, be intentional and manage your time. See, a lot of people's like, I don't know where time went. It's because we're not managing it. You didn't plan it all. It's going to take a little bit of time to manage your time. It's going to take a few minutes of me sitting down and talking to my wife. What do we got going on this week? We, we had some of the kids showed sheep yesterday. We all went. We all supported the other kids. So the thing is, is that we all did that. We did this. Is a fam, this is a part of our family time today. We all going. So we have the time, but we need to be intentional. Parents, you need to be intentional. You want your kids to spend time with their kids, then you need to spend time with your kids. And then ruthlessly eliminate the hurry. One of my favorite statements. Ruthlessly eliminate the hurry. Sometimes we just need to eliminate some stuff out of our life. Sometimes we need to say no. Sometimes we just need to say that's not going to happen. Some, there's a lot of times I've been like, oh man, I have this great job opportunity. Do you need another job? Like I have some family members that are like, man, I got this great opportunity. It's only for like three weeks. You don't need a third job, dude. 
Stop it. Sometimes we just, we, we miss the most important things. And do you not think that this is the devil's plan? Do you think it's not the devil's plan to get you so sidetracked with, with work or your career or, or farms or hobbies or this or that so he could just get you so distracted that one day you'll miss your entire family, they'll be gone? Sometimes as a parent, do you know as a parent your job is to do what's best for your kid and not always what they want? In our house, like I grew, when I grew up, I did all the sports. In my house, you get to do one. Sorry. There's six of you. Okay? There's only one of me driving, and she's cooking for me. So, I don't know. She doesn't have to drive. She gets to stay home and tell us her day to work, and you go to work. I'm just kidding. So, sometimes... Sometimes we have to say no. I think Marcus said it best several weeks ago. No, it was a couple of months ago. And he said, you know what? Our kids have like a 0.3. What was it? 0.27%? 0. 0.27? 0. something percent to get to a professional level in sports. Like 0. 0.027. Like... Like when I went to college, I went to college and I played a little bit of football, not much, but I knew right when I walked in the door, I'm like, I'm short, I'm slow, and I got small hands. I'm not going to the NFL. <laughs> it just ain't going to happen. It's just not, not there for me. Like, Mike is tall and strong. He didn't have to be fast. He was just bigger than everybody else. So... I didn't have any of that. But the point is, is that sometimes we pour our entire lives trying to get something that's never going to happen. Put all of our marbles in one thing when everything else was more important. What's important to you? You see, that's what priorities is all about. What's important to you? Is God most important to you? Does He know it? Does your time show it? So here's what I want to encourage you guys to do. I want you to bow your heads. And it was a very long sermon, I apologize. <laughs> a very long sermon written in two days. That's really bad. If you'd bow your heads, I want you to think about maybe God convicted you of something today. Maybe you're realizing that your time with your family isn't it, maybe your life is out of balance. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you today would raise your hand and say, my life is out of balance? A lot of us in this room right now are admitting our life is out of balance. Some of you here today need to apologize to God and say, God, I'm sorry that I haven't put you first in my life. Today, it starts Today. Today is that day, God, that I'm recommitting myself to you right now. You are number one. Some of us sitting here have, have put our jobs before our families, and we need, to, we need to apologize. You need to go home and say, guys, I'm sorry. Some of, you, some of you husbands and fathers or mothers, you need to go back and you need to tell your kids, I'm sorry that I have put this before you. Not again. It changes today. If you need to make some changes today, make them. Or this didn't you, did you no good. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if, if God nudges you, not if I do, but maybe some of you need to lay some of that stuff down at the altar. If He's going to nudge you to move out of your seat, you do it. This is about obedience to Him. You can, you can make things right with Him right where you are. But sometimes God wants us to move. Sometimes he likes to get us out of our comfort zone. There's some amazing healing that takes place at an altar. Because it takes bravery to get out of our seat. It takes courage to admit that there's something out of whack in our life. And it takes strength to set it down and to leave it there.
you need to put your job on the altar, say, God, I'm giving it to you. Come up there and do it right now. Give it to him. If you need to make it right with him, with where your relationship with him is, that you've been putting everything else before him, then you need to put yourself at the altar. God, I'm giving you me. I'm giving myself back to you. I'm sorry that I let it get to this place. The altar is open.